Amen. Give our praise team another hand. Amen. They do such an excellent job in ushering us before the Lord in, in worship. Giving honor to God and to Jesus Christ, who's the Lord of my life, and to Pastor Cofield. Just want to say what a privilege it is to have this opportunity to stand before you and proclaim God's word. And I know the, the lights are bright, uh, so I see glimpses of you. Uh, but nevertheless, man, I know you're there, so if, especially if you say amen. 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 All right. This morning, I want to preach from a, a chapter of scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. I won't read the entire chapter, but I want to preach the entire chapter. A very familiar passage of scripture for many of us. But yet, I, I think there are some things in there that I can share with you this morning that may be helpful to you. And while you're doing that, I want to acknowledge my wife and my oldest son who's here from New York. And just thank God for their presence and their support. Now that our children have gotten older, we don't, we don't, it's hard to get them all together at one time because they're starting to get scattered out. But nevertheless, uh, God's got them. 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you dare say amen. amen. Start at verse 1. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Skip down to verse 6. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. You skip down to verse 27. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. I want to preach to you this morning from the title of The Danger of Forgetting. The Danger of Forgetting. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we thank you, O Lord, for this awesome opportunity to break open the bread of life and to share your word, your word which transforms our mind. And when I, we have transformed minds, we live transformed lives. And so, Lord, as always, my prayers as your word goes forth, that it would not go forth in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Have your way. It's in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We have all heard the word dementia and know that it is a general term that describes the impaired ability to remember, think, or make decisions that interferes with doing everyday activities. Some of us have had the unfortunate opportunity to experience that in the life of our loved ones where we see the progression where they go to a point where they no longer remember people, places, or things. 
We have also heard about people who experience a significant blow to the head and, and they have what we call amnesia. It's not something that they forget everything, but, but they forget some things. But I was surprised that when I looked up the word forget, that one of the definitions was to neglect willfully. And I look just like you looking at me. That's the way I look. Now, how, how in the world is that forgetting? That, that, that's why I did the PowerPoint so you could see that man, there it is. It says to neglect willfully. Because we associate forgetting with just not remembering to do something or not remembering something at a, a moment in time. But to neglect willfully? That's not forgetting. And about as I was arguing with myself about that time, the Holy Spirit said, let me help you with this. Remember the time when you got an invite to attend an event of a friend and you RSVP'd and said, man, yeah, I'll be there. I'm I'm going. I I, I put it on my calendar. I, I set a reminder to remind me. But when that time came, for no reason whatsoever, I decided not to go. And then later on, I, I crossed that, that friend's path and, and he said, man, I, I thought you was coming to my event. I, I, we, we were planning and expecting for you to come. And the first words out of my mouth was, man, I forgot. I don't think I'm the only one in the house that's ever done that this morning. Because I didn't forget and you didn't forget, but you neglected willfully to go. So I want to talk to you this morning about the danger of forgetting, or should I say neglecting willfully. In our text this morning, I read in verse 1 about, this is King David. And it says it was, a, it was in the spring, a time when kings go out to battle. During a rainy season, they wouldn't go, but after the rainy season, now it's time to get out, get back out to battle. But the text says that David sent Joab and all of Israel, and David stayed behind. So the first thing I want you to see about the the danger of forgetting that with position comes responsibility. David's the king. Matter of fact, when you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 20, it says when, when they wanted to be like the other nations, when they were rejecting God as their king, and they're crying out to Samuel and saying, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king that can come in and judge us and a king that can go out and fight our battles. That's why they chose a king. And here it is, David has decided that he's not going. In other words, David, he forsook his duty as the king. Now, now you may think that's a small thing. But understand, so goes the king, so goes the nation. Yes, so goes the father, so goes the family. So goes the pastor, so goes the church. So goes the CEO, so goes the company. That's no small thing. Because, man, I I understand as the head of my household, and again, about the man being the head of the household, that's not belittling the woman. 
That's understanding the God-given responsibility that God has given me through the scriptures. And I understand that so goes me, so goes my marriage, so goes me, so goes my family. And that's why Joshua 24, 15 would say, as for me and my house, we go serve the Lord. I've read that over and over and I didn't see what Joshua went talk to Mrs. Joshua or Joshua talked to the little Joshua's. He made a decision. As for me and my house, we go serve the Lord. But here it is, David. He forsook those responsibilities. Now y'all know if, man, for those of us that are still working, and those of us that are looking for employment. We, we see the title of the job and then we read the responsibilities of that job and we think about whether or not we can fulfill those responsibilities. And if we feel like we can't do so, then we apply for the position. And when we're in that position, we have the responsibility to carry out those activities. If not, we get fired. And so here it is, David knows he has those responsibilities and he chooses to forsake them. But the text says, as you go on, it talks about uh, now when evening came, David arose, verse 2, he arose from his bed and walked around on the rooftop of the house and from his roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David didn't go where he was supposed to go and found himself in a place on the rooftop seeing something he wasn't supposed to see. A bathing beauty named Bathsheba. That, that's the way the enemy works. When, when, when you're not where you're supposed to be, then the enemy shows up. And so we got this bathing beauty named Bathsheba that's bathing and the text says David saw. Saw. He looked, and he looked, and he looked. I, I know men know what we're talking about. Now, I'll just help you with this because one of the things I put in my life is I don't do a double take. If I get a glimpse of something, I got a glimpse of it. I know what that glimpse was all about. I don't need to go and look and look and look. But my wife helped me with this because, man, the, the Bible scholar that she is, she says, man, men are not the only one looking. And she said, remember Potiphar's wife? <laughs> was checking Joseph about each and every day. Matter of fact, got to a point where she was like, man, she, she cleared everybody out. And said, lie with me. And then she just, man, every day she was after them. But Joseph, man, helps me with a principle that he, to apply in my life, if I get in that situation, then, man, that's run. Get out of there as fast as you can. But, but, but David, he followed his own lust, lustful desire. In James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, man, let no one say that when he was tempted, he is tempted by God. For God, he, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And that word care and that word entice is in a passive voice, which says that, man, 
the, the, the subject is being acted upon, which tells me there's a point of no return. If you flirt with temptation too much and too long, you're no longer in control. Now temptation is controlling you. This lust that we have inside of us is real. That desire to, 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 to feed the flesh, that desire to satisfy the flesh, that desire to have our own glory, it's a real deal. So don't flirt with it. And here David is. He, he decided to follow it. But, but the text says, we know he did because in verse 3 it says, he sent and inquired about the woman and one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eli, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? David failed to take the way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation, but such is common to man. That there's no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with each temptation will provide a way of escape also so you may be able to endure it. We missed that. First it tells us, man, we're not the only one that's been tempted in this way. So my encouragement is if you don't have accountability partners in your life, you better get some. Because I know as a man I have the propensity to still sin. So I got other brothers that are in my life that I can pick up the phone and I can make a phone call and say, man, I'm struggling with this. It, it doesn't have to just be sexual. It could be something financial. It could be something emotional. It could be. But I, I got people in my life that I can pick up the phone and make a phone call to. Because I know I, and the text says, and I'll just say this. Most of the time when we're dealing with temptation and I, I'll just have to say, especially as men. Okay, we, we don't want them to think less than us. We're supposed to be super spiritual, so we don't want them to look down upon us. But that, that's a lie from the enemy. If God meant for you to make it by yourself, he would have put each one of us on an island by ourselves. But God knows that we need each other. So we got to have other believers that are on this same journey, this same walk in our lives. But that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 also says something that God is faithful. He's faithful. You, can, you, you don't have to worry about God not doing what he's going to do. And he says he's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you're able. And he says with each temptation, he will provide a way of escape. So that means when I'm tempted, I need to be looking for the way of escape. Because God is faithful. He's going to have a way of escape. In this text, there's a way of escape. I read it to you, but you may have missed it. I'll read it again. Verse 3, so David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, is this not Bathsheba? One said, is this not Bathsheba? One said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? This is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's wife, David. That's who she is. And David should have pumped the brakes and said, oh, you're right. I hear you. Man, I got it. Thank you. But no, he allowed his lust to lead. And so it's important that we, we, we understand God always provides a way of escape. And we've got to look for it. So here it is. 
Verse 4, David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanliness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. David's got a problem now. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's got a problem. But, 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 but let's, look like, uh, let's look at how he handles this problem. Then David sent to Joab, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. The second thing I I want you to see is that the danger of forgetting that you can't cover up sin. David sent for Uriah, and Uriah came to him. And the first thing David tried to do was act like he's interested in what's going on with the war. Tell me about the war. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's happening. And then David encouraged Uriah to go to his house. That's what I call the clean way when you're trying to cover up sin. Pretty simple. Man, David, hey, send me Uriah. Man, God, Uriah's here. How are things going? Okay, Uriah, man, you can go home. Thinking that Uriah, surely he's been out on the battlefield. Surely he's going to come home and want to be with his wife. Surely he's going to go home and he's going to sleep with his wife. Man, then got it all, all cleaned up, all taken care of. But the text says that Uriah didn't go home. He went and he slept among David's servants. Didn't go home. David got word, and so, man, he called Uriah again. He says, man, why didn't you go home? And Uriah says, how in the world can I go home when we've got the ark, man, and we've got Israel and Judah, we got them sleeping in, in tents. And then we got the, my, my brothers that's in battle, man, they're out there in open field. He, he's demonstrating a sense of loyalty, a sense of concern, a sense of commitment, man, to those who he's signed up to serve. And so now David says, man, we got to do something different. I, I, I don't know, but I, maybe I'm the only sinner saved by grace in the house that I can identify that, man, I, I know I used to try to do some cover-up stuff. And I know I went from a plan A to a plan B. And David goes to a plan B because he says, now, man, I'm, I'm, just come on and stay with me. Today and tomorrow. Stay, stay with me. And David let him eat and got him drunk. Because surely, man, if I can get him drunk and I can send him on his way and, and he can make his way to the house, surely, whether he sleeps with or not, it doesn't matter. He was drunk. He wouldn't know. But Uriah didn't go. He went slept in the same place with David's servants. Didn't go. So here David is putting all of it. Well, let me just say it like this. Do you know how much energy and effort it takes to try to cover up and cover up and cover up and cover up sin? To tell a lie and then have to tell another lie, have to remember the lie you told as you tell another lie. It, man, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to try to cover up sin. And so now David writes a letter to Joab. 
puts it in Uriah's hand. And that letter says that, man, put Uriah at the front of the line of the fiercest battle so he'll get killed. Gives it to Uriah. Uriah shows us what integrity really looks like. Integrity that David should have had and should have been demonstrated before him, but Uriah is demonstrating integrity before David. Yes, sir. Now, 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 we say integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's watching. I, I, I'm in agreement with that, but it, it's a little bit deeper. Because the reason you do the right thing when nobody's watching is because you have a set of ethical and moral standards by which you believe and you live by. And, and that's what we're to put in our children. Train up a child the way he should go so that when he grows old, he won't depart far from it. It doesn't mean they won't get off track, but man, if you've got some values, if you, man, you put some ethics and some morality in them, you put this Christianity in them, man, they, it, they'll come on back. And that's what Uriah shows us. Integrity. And so, so David went from a clean way to a clever way to a criminal way. Criminal. He just said, man, I'm going to get rid of, rid of him altogether. And that's what he does. And so that's what happens. And now, so, so here it is. Joab puts, him in the front, puts Uriah in the fiercest part of the battle. He gets killed as well as some other man. And that's when I had to read that. I was like, okay, David was, was trying to get rid of Uriah, but in the midst of his sin, in the midst of trying to cover up his sin, not only did Uriah get killed, but others got killed as well. The enemy comes, or the thief comes, to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10, 10. Every single time, steal, kill, and destroy. When we sin, we need to think about what is he stealing, what is he killing, what is he destroying? Because there's an impact that happens. And it's not just in our lives, but it's in the lives of others. Yes. And so here it is. My, my. Joab is going to send word back, send that man Uriah is dead. And he, and he tells his messenger, he said, hey, I, I need you to prepare you for David. Because when you go back to David and give him an update on the war, and, and man, he started asking questions about, man, why, why did you do this? Haven't you learned from experience? Man, don't you remember what happened to Abimelech? Man, what, but when David started asking and his anger starts riling up, I want you to tell him that Uriah, the Hittite, is dead. Now, can you imagine being the messenger? Not, not you, you, you in the middle of this, but you don't know what in the world's going on. And when that messenger came to David, man, he, he didn't waste no time. He says, here's an update about the war, but by the way, Uriah the Hittite is dead. He wasn't going to even give David time to get angry. And so now here, here it is, David hears that, and he says, Okay, just give this message back to Joab. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Tell Joab, man, the sword devours one and it devours another. Just, just encourage him to, man, increase the, his, his intensity toward, in the battle and go ahead and overtake him. And then verse 26. Now when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, 
she mourned for her husband. Verse 27, when the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. Now, if it stopped right there, we say, well, okay, look like he got away with it. But it didn't stop there. It was that but, that, that, that contrasting conjunction that says, man, you need to look at what came, comes before and you need to look at what comes after. Because he's contrasting. David thinks that, whoo, it's over. Got away with that one. But what David did was evil in the sight of the Lord. And it's the danger of forgetting that God sees everything. God sees everything. He knows everything. He sees everything. I, I don't know about you, but man, that, that keeps me. When, when, when I studied this and learned this, man, that keeps me. The fact, it, it doesn't matter about the lights been off. It doesn't matter about trying to hide around the corner, hide behind the bush. It doesn't matter. God sees everything. Proverbs 15.3 talks about man in every place. God sees both the good and the evil because he sees everything. Because sin was never meant to be covered up. It was meant to be confessed. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs uh, 28.13, he who conceals his transgression would not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Because, man, God sees everything. This, this man received a parrot as a gift. And, man, he, he took this parrot home, and this parrot was, was ruled and and used foul language, and man, it was just, just, you know, just ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't, he learned, where did this parrot learn this from? And so he tried to change the parrot's behavior. He, he tried to use kind words. He tried to uh, play soft music. I mean, he tried everything he could imagine trying to change this parrot's behavior. But man, the parrot still was just rude and using profanity and doing all sorts of things. And Man, he finally, he, he got fed up and he, he just started, he grabbed the parrot and he started yelling at the parrot and the parrot just yelled back at him. Just as rude. I know what I'll do, man. I, he took the parrot and he put him in the freezer. And he, he could hear the parrot kicking and scratching and, and then after a while, every, every, everything just kind of quieted down. And he went, man, now he started, he's concerned about the parrot. And so he goes and he opens up the freezer and he puts out his arm and the parrot gets on his arm and he says, uh, I presume that I've been giving you a hard time and I've offended you. Perhaps I've offended you and I would just like to offer my sincere apologies to you for my behavior. <laughs> and the man is taken back. He's, man, before he could even ask him why the change the parrot said, by the way, can, can I ask you what the turkey did? <laughs> Good hope I just came by this morning <laughs> to share with you a story about a man named David. 
so you and I could see what David did so we could make sure we live a life that's pleasing and honoring and glorifying before our God because he's king of kings. He's not going to forsake his position. He carried out his responsibilities. Man, he, he never tried to cover up sin because he knew no sin. He had no sin, but he did cover our sins with his blood. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the Jesus who we know. Thank God for Jesus. God bless you. God keep you. All right, y'all can stop thinking about that parrot. Amen. Thank you, Reverend. Preach, man. Woo. Yes, indeed. The danger of forgetting. Yeah, you can take that and, and chew on that for a while. Amen. Amen. And look here, that ain't meant for your children. That's meant for you. Amen. Amen. All right. Church, it's time for the offering. All right. We have several ways that you can give uh, online. Uh, it's posted there on the screen for you. And if you still want to put it in an envelope, we'll take it. Uh, the ushers have the baskets at the back, so as we leave today, you can put your offering there. We want to thank you for your faithful giving. It does make a difference for us, so we thank you for continual giving and all of the ways that we have provided. And just know that the Lord has blessed you, and we thank you for returning that blessing. Amen.